We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. and welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week we are discussing the 1976 Toby Hooper film Eaten Alive. Hey Matt, why? <laughs> so this is one that I went back and forth on if I was ever going to pick it because I really wanted to see it when I was a kid and I hated it. And then a couple years went by and I was like, I don't know, I really like Toby Hooper. I rewatched The Fun House and I enjoyed that. Um, so maybe I'll like it more. So I watched again, and I hated it. <laughs> but then a couple more years went by, and I saw a DVD of it for cheap. And I'm like, seriously, there? I have this movie seems like it was made for me. It's a killer alligator movie directed by Toby Hooper. <laughs> so I purchased it, and I watched it, and I hated it. But it was still constantly showing up on this list of like, maybe I'll like this. And it was last summer I watched it, and then all of a sudden like everything clicked. And it was this moment where I was like, Oh, we can discuss this movie now. Like, I finally, I finally, whatever it was that was blocking, whatever the blockage was in my brain, has been freed. Do you know? <laughs> and, do you do? You, have you have you pondered what it what it could be? So I think what it is is this movie is like Toby Hooper was rewatching his work in Texas Chainsaw and was like. But what if the whole movie was just the last five minutes of that movie (laughs) (laughs) and just made like this movie is fucking insane. Like every second of it is just pure insanity. The soundtrack is the most insane shit I've ever heard. It's like math core. Like it's just like <laughs> no one loves it. 
It's like it's like random synthesizers just like playing nonsensical rhythm with like no hook or anything. Like it's Maps and Atlases loves this movie. But, but like <laughs> But like when I thought about it, like that was kind of where it started to click. Was like the music to this movie is as chaotic and insane as every single second of it. And then I started to think about how Toby Hooper made Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 because he felt like people didn't get the humor that was in the original Texas Chainsaw. And I'm like, all of this is is supposed to be entertainingly absurd. Like, you're not supposed to yeah. buy into any second of it. And for some reason, that was the moment where I was just like, I really enjoy how just batshit crazy every second mm. of this movie was. I think that the choice of like, fucked up weird coloring like crazy like this movie is crazy in every step the camera work is mm-hmm. insane the color palettes are absolutely insane mm-hmm. the, they put like five minutes into building this gator like the gator the gator, is, the gator is the least of in this fucking movie <laughs> yeah, and that's fine He's yeah. literally like, just a garbage collector, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> it, yeah. And I think that that's the other thing that works is, like, they made a movie where it's like, hey, we're only going to kill the characters that you could give a fuck less about for the most part. So you're yeah, just like, all I right. I was like, so happy when the the dad got eaten. That oh. dude was just... William Finley. He fucking yeah, played baby. it too, man. Roy, Roy, <laughs> that I like character the big was names insane. In this. I really do. But here's here's the thing. I am going to start this episode off with compliments for it okay and then i'm going to let matt defend it's gonna be an, is it gonna be an open-faced compliment sandwich where you just start the compliment and then <laughs> yeah just the no top just... bread <laughs> yeah yeah there there will be no sandwich it is an open face just like if i got half of it eaten off by a killer croc um so <laughs> the the whole point of this movie was that they they filmed the entire thing on a soundstage with a pool and um i love that for this because it really led to this dreamlike or like nightmarish, you know, it's 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 very uh, guys, can I say that this is the Suspiria of killer animal movies? Because it's kind of what I feel like. Yeah, it's well, it's about visuals, minimal on plot. <laughs> like, yeah, and everybody acts insane. And it all could be on a stage. It literally yeah. but all it's, could be but it's is all, a stage play. But the flip side is also like you said, William Finley like killed it in in Phantom of the Paradise and in all these other movies. Like he's fantastic. You've got the original Morticia Adams up in this bitch. Like like Wait, it's a who is she in this? The woman that ran the brothel, the brothel house Miss mom, Hattie? who looked like yeah, that, who looked like TCM four Leatherface. Yeah, <laughs> Fuck. that was Carolyn Jones, Morticia Adams Damn. from the sixties. She was wearing show. like that that um the the. What would you even call those hats? Like a dealer hat, you know, at a, at a yeah, casino dealer whatever the, hat? Yeah, Vegas fucking high roller. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, just, I did not I, I feel, catch that at all. I feel like Toby was like, y'all, I know you can act. You guys are playing to the cheap seats in this one, though. Like, you've got to hand this camp. shit up. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> you're not, dude, I, you're not wrong. I don't disagree with that. Like, I mean, I, I don't know a lot of Toby Hooper's background, but like... He feels very theatrical. Like, it feels like stage play. Like, he knows. He knows who can really, like... He likes to keep it limited, dude. He If he can do it to, like, three or four locations with, like, a cast of, like, eight people, that's, like, his bread and butter. Like, he's... 
He's at his happiest. But sorry, yeah. Scott, continue continue the, the compliment part of this compliment oh, open well, face I, turkey sandwich. So I really <laughs> liked the 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 fact that it's so odd outside where it's everything's red and there's like a smoke machine going just basically they burnt through about probably five smoke machines to do this this <laughs> shoot, you know? Um and I loved that. And that's where my enjoyment ends. Okay. Because I feel like you're having a bit of, of, of amnesia on why this movie sucks. Because the violence against women is so, so, I mean, it's an exploitation movie. And that's why I never wanted to watch it. As the, uh, the mom of the, the daughter gets the shit slapped out of her in the bathroom, I'm like, this fucking, I could really do without this. I'm, I'm kind of over this movie. And then I'm, I'm writing my note like, this is like violence against women. I don't appreciate it. And then I'm thinking, well, other people are getting, dudes are getting killed too. And then I'm like, yeah, but they're getting killed with scythes and guns. They're not getting slapped around, you know? Mm-hmm. And Robert England's character is such a fucking sleaze that I just had a really hard time with the characters in it. Um, I understand that the point was to make them unlikable so that they get eaten, but still, not an exploitation guy. I feel like this would definitely be more of a Kyle pick because he can roll with that more. Not yeah. saying that you like those things, Kyle, but you no, do no. get more enjoyment out of that 70s and 80s exploitation stuff, like early eight, late 70s, early 80s. But um, for me, I just, I was like, why are the women that are taking their clothes off taking their clothes off and the ones who aren't, aren't? Aren't. You know, yeah. like it's just weird exploitation choices. I almost feel like, again, to a certain extent, because... I don't really think of Toby Hooper as an exploitation director, really. No. You know what I mean? Like, so I almost, again, I feel like this was almost his weird version of, like, doing a parody of an exploitation film. Like, I almost feel like he was like, I hate these movies. Let me just make the most egregious, (laughs) over-the-top version of it. Because one of the other things that I'll give a compliment to this movie about is something that I think Toby Hooper has had a gift with, at least in his early films, is that... I am I'm trying to think. I don't think that there is another like iconic horror director who is better at making a location a character in its story. Like, oh, hell yeah. We, you know what I mean? Like we talk yeah. about that with like Funhouse. Like the carnival is as much of a character in that mm-hmm. movie as any of the other teens. In fact, mm-hmm. it's probably more of a character than any of the people involved in it. Yes. I could say the same for the first TCM as well. Like that mm-hmm. house is a character and it's probably definitely a character because it's like an attraction now yeah Yeah. like it's it's almost and again take leatherface out of the equation the house is probably the second most iconic thing out of that movie every every inch of it you know what i mean and and i think that that's the same deal here is like the characters are second to just the setting that he wanted to create which like you said it was like we built this thing on top of a pool we had this animatronic gator in there. Like we had this crazy lighting. Like even when I hated this movie, which I did for 20 plus years, right. like there were things that were just burned into my brain because he's such a good visual storyteller. Yeah. Case in point, if you're watching the Patreon video, like Kyle has the icon, what I think is the iconic shot of the movie, like Neville Brand just storming with this sickle at the camera. And it's like color corrected, by the way. Yeah, color corrected. <laughs> but 
I couldn't. Like, I don't think I could have watched this movie on a uh, uh, on a VHSPS or uh, anything lower than what I did, which was still on Tubi, but it, it was on Shutter. I don't know why I didn't watch it on Shutter. No, I popped in my DVD, uh, double disc DVD. <laughs> what the fuck is on the second disc? <laughs> it's like a lot of like making of interviews, stuff like that. I mean, it's a movie that needs to be seen in the best quality that you can, which is crazy. I mean. So there's a lot of things that I I, <laughs> I want to jump upon. I don't think Toby Hooper is an exploitation director. No. However, yeah. I think that his roots and his interests lend themselves to yes. exploitative uh, storytelling. Because, I mean, this is case in point. I mean, we're talking between Texas Chainsaw and Funhouse, which are both about exploited communities and people. And Eaten Alive is also such that. And it is. I mean, the violence, like, Scott, I hear you a million percent, and I also feel that, like, as a human, as an empathic human, the stuff with women and the logistics and the log or the logical progression of the female characters in here doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Male characters acting upon female characters as if they are objects makes a ton of sense to me. I'm like, well, of course. Like, the, these... The, the, the characters that we're building here, Butch, uh, Neville Brandt's character, whose name escapes me, um, Roy, uh, William Finley's character, all of them are exploiting women beyond. And I think as I would venture to say, <laughs> and I'm really getting into eating Alive here, <laughs> I would venture to say as middle-class white men, particularly a, a middle-class white man as Toby Hooper was in the 70s, uh, 60s, 70s, you don't realize the exploitation that you have towards women until it's too late. You exploit women naturally because that's what society has told you to do in this time. And I think whether Tobey Hooper know, knew it or not, he built a story around that mm -hmm. and about the fear of that. Like, he... He certainly fears it. That's why there's a whole backstory about looking for the missing woman. It's because he he's afraid of what society has taught him to do. So then he builds characters that are so fucking beyond, so exaggerated. So in an early shot of this movie, there is a monkey, then a mannequin, literally back-to-back -back mm -hmm. things. So we're talking about primitive nature versus a standstill non-human but something that looks human and then we go into the whole fucking movie which is exploitative shit as shit it's it's chaos yeah. but like i'm realizing and 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 the fun house is more refined i would yes, say texas chainsaw sure. is more fucking out of control and eaten alive is somewhere in the middle here it's like, a perfect I think that's sandwich why it's on, of those two, yeah. I think that's why it's sort of like on a stage. And I'm going to open this now because clearly I need another beer. It's just called Snappy because okay. of, of, of the crocodile. That is so, again, so minimal to what you wanted, Matt Kelly. And I'm sorry. Yeah. That no, no, no. So, so let so me, minimal. I was looking at some of the critical reviews of this movie. And what I found really interesting is that in a weird way, the negative reviews also capture what I think finally clicked for me enjoying this movie after mm. five views mm -hmm. um so i want to read the, a few of them um this one was from the world movie reviews uh said 
This is so much the opposite of a Hollywood film. Hooper could not care less that he has shot such a disturbing film that it makes for an uncomfortable watch. Hooper takes us down a different road than the usual trashy, macabre horror film, but that does not make it a special film worth seeking out. You know, I agree that, like, this is like him just being like, like the fact that Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a success was a total fluke. Fuck this. I definitely am not trying to make something like a heart, uh, a Hollywood movie. It says here, another review from TV Guide said, TV although Eaten Alive is not as unusual or terrifying as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hooper does a fine job building up a Southern Gothic atmosphere and continues his brilliant use of sound to enhance a sense of uneasiness and suspense throughout the entire film. Um, and then the AV Did they Club. use the word math core in that? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's a, that's a Matt Kelly special. Um, and then the AV Club uh, that was really critical of the film did say that it, it lacked the eerie plausibility or stylishness of his uh, first film. Um, but this is also based on a real, well, yeah. it's, it's inspired by a guy uh, in the 30s who had a bar with an alligator exhibit underneath it. And they later found out that the owner of the bar had killed several women. And legend was that he was disposing the bodies to the alligator underneath the bar. Um, so there is a bit of wow. an inspiration. What I do also find, I won't say charming, that is never the word for this movie, <laughs> but no. but when you watch this movie, let me ask you this question, because this was the first time this clicked for me when I was watching it the other night. Do you think that this is something Judd has done before, or was this just one bad night that just mm. spiraled wildly out of control mm. for him? Because I think forever I just thought, oh, this is what he's always been doing, but watching it this time, I'm like, oh, no, this is just like one unfortunate circumstance happened. And as he's trying, it's almost like that movie, Very Bad Things from the night. Like, it's like one bad situation happened. And in his constant efforts to cover up that one bad thing, he ends up having to kill so many other people and basically loses his fucking mind Dude. throughout the course of the night. No, I, I, I have a note specifically to that point because yeah. there's a scene where there's there's the scene where our captive Marilyn Burns is tied to the bed. We cut to Kyle Richards underneath the house. Then yeah. we cut to Robert Englund trying to get laid. And then we cut to again. Neville Brand. This is the same again. night. He, he, again. He, he, he's he had two prostitutes earlier on in the night, right? Yeah. Bro, you know what the crazy thing is? Is that like we talk about cut, insane cut, He's buck arts. and he likes to fuck, man. I don't know what to <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> well, we can talk about character arcs being fucking nonsense. Buck's character arc makes the most sense to me. This skeezy ass dude will do anything to get laid, and he's going he's going above and beyond in one evening because that's his only goal. That's his it. That's it. That's all he wants to do. Anyway, we're going back and forth between all these rooms, and we see mm -hmm. Neville Brandt's character turn on the record and mm -hmm. just blast it as loud as he can. It's so clear to me that it's like he is so overwhelmed with his choices. I don't think that he didn't do something like this in the past or at least do some bad shit that has like have been stepping stones to this evening. Yeah. But I don't know if it's been this bad before if he's had this many missteps and we're clearly catching him on a night where he's had the most missteps. You know, you're talking about all these characters in all these different rooms and like it it's so weird because it it is essentially one location. Fuck, I think I like this movie. No, <laughs> no. It's, it's essentially one location for most of it, but somehow, like, it is so wide open, and there's all these different rooms going on, but the movie never 
doesn't feel claustrophobic. You mm. know what I mean? Like yeah. every single room, you feel so it's, trapped it's in that room. It's a soundstage and they only had, you yeah. know, X amount no, of space true. for the fucking camera. <laughs> that, that too. But again, it's like I, I wasn't being facetious when I said that. I really think that Toby was like, can we capture the energy of the last five, 10 minutes of Texas Chainsaw and ride it out for 90 minutes? Because mm. it really has the insanity and the intensity of that dinner sequence pretty much from the second we get to that hotel and it never it's it's relentless this yeah. is not like a movie that i like put on for fun right like and that's no. never what i was coming here i don't to think just anybody puts about. this movie on for fun no for funsies but 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 i think it was one of those things where it's like i forced myself to watch this so many times and maybe it was stockholm syndrome who knows <laughs> but like at a certain point i i felt like <laughs> i felt like for the first time i really truly understood what toby was trying to do with this movie because there's not a lot of discourse about this movie at all like as far as like horror historians are concerned he made texas chainsaw massacre took a five-year sabbatical and then made <laughs> the fun right. house like right like, this is a very forgotten about movie as shitty as all the characters are the shittiness of the characters do lead to some satisfying kills like yeah, when that true. dad falls down and that gator just bursts through the wall and it's the first time you really get a look at it as it like just pulls him under the water you're like fuck like that that was good or you know the scene that kyle has behind him like when that sickle goes through that dude's fucking neck yeah i'm like jesus christ like it's, <laughs> yeah. because it the did sickle so, was a nice choice i gotta say the sickle was a really nice great, choice great choice i don't know what he's cutting down in the swamp it, it didn't seem very i've never been to, to louisiana so i've never, any been, to the, I've never been to the bayou yeah um, and, but i don't and know and i'm even gonna address i'm gonna address the thing that we always put a strike on which is the scene with the dog it's it's so obvious that Snoopy's getting eaten, dude. It, it's obvious it's that Snoopy's fine. getting eaten, but but there's the something car. that I like. There's something truly horrifying about that scene to me, which is the way that it's shot. You know what I mean? Like you see the dog go towards the fence. You see the little girl walk to the fence, and I think it's the fact that the shot is the little girl watching her dog get. Like you don't ever see what happens to Snoopy. Oh yeah, but you see the girl's reaction to what's happening, and that's almost. <laughs> That's one of the few times where that's more horrific to me than seeing what happened to the dog because you're just watching this girl scream and there's just a splash of water with that red in the fog. Like it is, it is achieving a lot with showing us nothing, which I also think is pretty impressive. Like it's a, it's, I'm not saying that this kid, is a perfect. That kid movie. went through hell, dude. dude that kid yeah, went she's real. Been, she needed a lot hell. of therapy. She was already in hell. I mean, she yeah. was that, that parental situation was not super fucking healthy yeah definitely uh, to say the least and now she's being chased by a man with a fucking sickle underneath is that what yeah sickle. yeah yeah, yeah. Sickle. Scythe. scythe scythe sickle scythe. is a scythe. slow one okay gotcha yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, we're not farmers we no nope. we i've never goddamn harvested a thing in my life <laughs> and, and also like huh? you gotta love a movie where it doesn't have a whole lot of resolution you know what i mean like no. judd falls into the water as gator eats him and then it just cuts the credits like that's life, baby. That's life. That's a circle of. That's a circle of. For but sure. yeah, I mean, that was that was eaten alive. I didn't think I was going to convince either person to actually like the movie, but I just. Uh, wanted... I think that Kyle convinced himself. Uh, you didn't convince <laughs> did. me a shit, but that's fine. No. I, 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 I watched this after a, a rather in-depth conversation about the Funhouse. Like, uh, oh, like fair. I days love after. the Funhouse. So, so I came in. Much. I came yeah. in with a little. I, I came in searching. Yeah. And I don't think it's not there. I think that Scott, like you, are also completely correct. <laughs> don't give me too much like, credit it, here. Ultimately, on on paper, 
on on DVD. It's not a great movie, um, but I, I think that I found the connective tissue and have exploited the connective tissue for our own conversation. There um, we go. I'm happy with yeah. that. We're making an ad. Snapping yeah. ads. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the That's ad. The That's the ad. That's the ad. Hello everyone, we're Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance, we got action, romance. we got comedy, we got everything you need, man. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance, what part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches, and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know! Alright, so come on down to su- wait, why did I say come on down? To Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Hey. Do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Matt, what would you put as your double feature? Snow Day. No. uh (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, but I, I really, when this movie was over, I was like, I want to watch The Fun House. Like, I want to go right from here to see what his next step was, because I don't think we ever really see Toby go this insane again. Like, The Fun House becomes like a full-blown hour slow burn yeah, to is. get to the craziness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, this is this the last really time that does I think- move. I, yeah. I will, I'll give it that. Like, the pacing is great. I think it's because the pacing is, it let's does. just start in the move. third act for 90 straight minutes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Why can't... Yeah. I'm fucking J. Jonah Jameson. Let's start more movies in the third act. But yeah, I mean, Funhouse... And, and I guess also it makes sense because Funhouse is another one of those movies that when I watched it as a kid, I didn't get it. I thought it was boring and I hated it. And it wasn't until I revisited it one or two more times that I actually saw, like, oh, this movie's really fucking brilliant and now i would actually put funhouse probably in my top 10 horror movies like wow. i really like funhouse um i mean i like texas chainsaw more but yeah i was still. about to say and i'm going very obvious i'm gonna go with i think it was 2006 or 7 man thing movie based on know. the uh and and this dovetails into put my a pin in that for my what yeah, did yeah, I yeah, watch yeah, exactly this week. <laughs> that's that's I'm I am nothing if not predictable but yeah um, I haven't seen Man Thing on the fence about whether or not to watch it watch half of it and then have us watch it or just fucking go in blind and make us all suffer because I Listen, know it's going to be shit but like I'm it making might be us go in shit. blind on a movie next year for sure so okay maybe we'll we'll put them back to back so we have two yeah, we'll, really good day, weeks or two really bad weeks my second my runner up was a movie called Evils of the Night 
that was Neville Brand's last movie mm. has nothing to do with Eaten Alive. My actual uh, double feature would have been Motel Hell. Oh, okay. yep. Oh man. Oh, that's so good. That's also a great Thanksgiving film. That's a cannibal yeah. whoopsie for sure. Yeah, no doubt about if it. If you remember when we talked about Motel Hell, and again, I'm not saying that I want this particularly, but we said the biggest strike against Motel Hell was it couldn't decide what it was. Mm-hmm. It couldn't decide if it was a, a satire on that type of movie or if it was trying to be sincerely that movie. Mm-hmm. And like, so we got this weird, like half, half. I think that if motel hell went the route of, of <laughs> starting the third fucking act. All right. Well, well, just like if it just went all in on like, we're just going to be a straight up slasher movie and like, we're not going to lean into the jokes too much or at least not overtly. I think that, that movie would be even more beloved than it already is mm-hmm. because that is the one strike is that it is a very uneven movie. It's Absolutely. a fun movie, but it is uneven as it's fun. It's uneven for sure. Um, it's fun even. Fun even. There we go. <laughs> fun even. So then, Matt, what, uh, what do you want to uh, pimp out that you've been watching? Uh, I mean, do we want to just say this together because I think we have the same one this week. Yeah. Werewolf by Night. Werewolf one, by two, Night, three. baby. Mama Mia. Werewolf oh. by <laughs> Night. <laughs> now, uh, Werewolf by Night, like... I was, was just so, talking to someone so about this. I like that Marvel's doing what they're doing, but even I, th- I think even the most diehard Marvel fans are feeling a, l- a little bit of exhaustion. We're oh, feeling dude, a little I bit am of a so burnout. exhausted by the serious shit. Between Werewolf by Night and She-Hulk... That's oh, it was the, exactly what I needed. The, the it was, two best palate cleansers you could have in October. It was amazing. Yeah, but... I think Werewolf by Night really opens this this door, and I think we're going to get the same door with the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special yeah. of of like, yo Marvel, you don't and everything doesn't have to be a three hour movie or a six to eight part miniseries. It can just be a fifty five minute throwing shit at the wall and having a good it's time. Literally, what they used film. to do with those holiday special issues, where it would be yeah. instead of twenty two pages, it was forty eight, and so it, they would tell a longer story. It was a self contained story. It had characters that you knew or didn't, and it didn't matter if you didn't know them because you didn't have to know the continuity. It's just yeah. you understand their power sets, you understand their dynamic, and you understand their personalities by their interactions. And I yeah. would love to see it was more just werewolf a good by night. I would time. absolutely love to see more man thing because that was a such a great presentation of what man thing does also his powers were like way more intense in the in the special than they were in the (laughs) comics like typically the his corrosive touch was like it would melt people it wouldn't immolate them but i loved it i I, it was great i mean i knew that i was and and we'll keep this a little spoiler free but i mean when in the first five minutes you've got a decomposing corpse rigged up to be like a mannequin, basically just like telling them what what they're supposed to be doing, and it's like doing crypt keeper like puns the whole time. I'm just like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, this yeah, it really so good. scratched the itch. Like, like as soon as that happened, I'm like, this is the best thing Marvel's produced in a while. It was a one-two punch think, for me. Do you think history will be kind to this era of Marvel property that's not? the blockbuster because i feel like you guys have given a lot of love to the things that are not the films i can categorically say that if i was to rank all of the things in phase four that i loved it would be way more mini series and short films than the okay. i don't even films. okay i have I not I enjoyed like any of the films in phase four so far now yeah. this month we're getting wakanda forever so i think that that's going to be the saving grace because it's going to be very it's going to be the the transition almost into phase five as yeah well. like, yeah i mean i i mm. i know a couple things and i have heard a couple rumblings about 
what they're going to do, especially with the post credit scene. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be wrong. Also, I don't want to yeah. spoil it. And but but um, mm-hmm. I'm excited. I did like Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness for what it was, but it doesn't have the rewatchability of the original Doctor Strange. Sure. I haven't rewatched. I, I the only movie in Phase Four I've rewatched is Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness to see if it had rewatchability, re-watchability. And it yeah. doesn't for me which is crazy well, because it's Raimi and it's Doctor Strange it should but it doesn't it's it's yeah, some so I'll say these two points and then we'll bounce over to Kyle's mm-hmm. but like I think when Ashley uh Victoria Robinson was on this this podcast she said something really telling which was she was talking about Spider-Man but I think that this applies to a lot of them where she's like they're they're fun experiences but they're not real movies because yeah. they're so built on the experience that there's not it doesn't have it doesn't function like a movie it doesn't function as a film that you can watch as an individual piece of a story it's like you have to watch like eight other movies to appreciate what's happening in an individual movie yes. and that's that's a tough hill to climb but then also uh, I this is the first episode we're recording since I came back from John and Heidi's wedding um, so you know that there were some Congrats, conversations. Yeah. yeah, you know there was some geeky sh- And now we got a yeah. pod mother. Yeah. Oh, bless. <laughs> oh, my God, a complete family. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so abandoned. You, you know that we. You know that there were some geeky conversations going sure, on there. Of course. I sure. was having a very uh, intense conversation with the person who was officiating the wedding, who was actually a fucking baller-ass dude uh, named John Fogelsang who is a uh, comedian from the 90s. He was a VH1 VJ. And the most infamous uh, thing on his resume is that when he was like 23 years old, he was on Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher to debate Jerry Falwell and oh, won shit. the debate. Nice. Um, and his ex- his example was Jerry Falwell had never debated an agnostic kid who had two Christian parents <laughs> who raised him to know the Bible like the back of his hands. So like... Jerry Falwell would quote a verse and he would quote the verses before and after it to show how out of context that verse that was quoted had been taken. We love a completist. Yeah, we talked about a lot. We talked a lot about religion. We talked a lot about Marvel uh, and the intersection of them. But we we got into a very heavy conversation about multiverses are just a hard sell in TV shows, Mm -hmm. movies, anything, because it works on paper. It works on like in a comic book. But it, like in a world like watching watching a Marvel movie, knowing that there's a thousand other multiverses in the world, it makes me sit there and go like, well, why are we so fucking sad that Tony Stark is dead? If we can just jump to like any of these five thousand other multiverses and just bring back Tony Stark, like, like it just kind of yeah. ruins a sense of urgency. So I I'm kind of glad to see the multiverse experiment be kind of hopefully put to bed for a little bit and just turn into like I, I linear storytelling. That they're gonna yeah they're going to. They're already on the course to do Kang and yeah. Secret Wars. And then after Secret Wars, I think that Kang is going to create the incursions that are going to lead to Secret Wars. And then Secret Wars is basically going to be the end of the multiverse shit, hopefully, because they have, they'll have they have consolidated their properties. They'll get mutants in the MCU, and then we can have X-Men movies. It's, Which, I mean, again, that's the, that's the end game. <laughs> yeah, but about... The, but the big thing that I always feel like I need to say after we have one of these Marvel conversations is with all of that, all of that out of the way, all those complaints out of the way, it is still fucking awesome that we have somehow figured out a way to create 
what made the comic book such an interesting thing to read throughout the 70s, mm-hmm. 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and somehow made that translate into film and television. Which means that sometimes it's not always a home run, but like the fact that you literally just laid out exactly how you're going to get to like three major story arcs that will take a couple years to tell those story arcs mm-hmm. is really fucking cool because that no one makes movies like that no one sits there and is like what's the 20 year plan yeah (laughs) yeah that's what we call a positive reframe that's beautiful that's beautiful but yeah all right kyle Kyle, what what have you been watching (laughs) i don't trust i just think so i I, before i get into that i just i have no concept no concept so hearing you guys talk about it and speculate and also no and hearing the reactions of where we're at in phases and have it exist in the world. Very cool. Um, I've been watching Queer for Fear on Shudder. Oh, I want to watch it. Is it good? It's really good. Yes. It's really good. I So I watched the first episode, uh, which was all about, I guess, what people would consider some of the, the pioneers of uh, particularly queer horror. We're talking Mary Shelley. We're talking Bram Stoker. We're talking Oscar Wilde. Like, and and that is, it's a blind spot for me. I've not gone back and visited like the literature classics of of mm-hmm. this time period, right? Um, I did not watch episode two because I caught up on three when my friend Jeanette was here. But then we were talking about. Um, Body horror, not in Cronenberg's world, but like werewolf transformation or body snatchers, like that mm-hmm. kind of body horror. And they spent like production wise, I was like, we spent a lot of time on Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but we spent a lot of time in each era of body snatchers. Oh, that's cool. 50s, 70s, 90s, like able for, you know, like so at some point in time, I was like, oh, I get it. Like, but I'm also uh, not to toot my own horn. I'm, I'm a little well versed in, in some of that stuff. So I'm like. Oh, this is not not oh this this documentary is not completely for me. It's it's to inform everyone. Um, so I was like, you know, I was I was getting a little picky and a little antsy to move on from Body Snatchers, but um, but man, the people that they talk to, the insights that they give, um, it feels both personal and truly colloquial. Is that right? Um. No, it's not colloquial. Colloquial is not the right word. Uh, it feels both. It feels that they're sharing their personal stories, but it feels like their personal stories really resonate much wider than such. You know what I mean? Like those those yeah. personal mm-hmm. those personal. Um, it's gone. Uh, it's, it's a great. It's a great doc. It's a, it's a great. It's uh, it's a great series, and I'm excited to see what the other episodes dive into. Um, that first episode really got me. Really, really got me, and the and the third one when we was, when we talk about werewolves and we talk about transformations and the fear of transforming and the mm. fear of change and the fear of becoming is it a true self is it a, a manufactured self which one's which like you, you talk Jekyll and Hyde too mm, yeah. you know you talk about the dichotomy of presentational self versus a transformative self um, and it's just great uh, it's really really interesting. It's a little flashy, but it's Brian Fuller. So what yeah. do you what I didn't do you realize expect? it was Brian Fuller, um, and that really seals yeah. the fucking deal now. I'll watch yeah, what yeah. makes. Yeah. Well, so, Kyle, something you said reminded me that I do want to give a quick shout-out. I still have two more episodes to go with watching it. 
but um, I have really been having a good time with the Midnight Club on Netflix. It's oh, everything yeah. that Fear that... Street want it to be. Like yeah. it's it's capturing a good '90s tone. Um, I think I still love the haunting of shows that that Flanagan did, but mm-hmm. this is so fun. This is just like an R-rated Are You Afraid of the Dark? Right? Yeah. It's yeah. It's a group of kids who are all terminal cancer cases, and every night they sneak out of their rooms to sit around a fire and tell scary stories. And make an oath that when they die, they will do their best to come back as a ghost to warn the others of what the afterlife has in store for them. And then maybe potentially finding out that there could be some nefarious things going on in this hospital that maybe there's a reason why they're not getting better. Mm. Um, so it's, That's it's sixth fun. That's shit right there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun watch. So if you haven't watched it for one reason or another, so I feel like they're really not promoting this they as heavily aren't. as they I promoted a lot of the it other comes, stuff. It doesn't I come up on Netflix when I open Netflix. Yeah, it's It's, it's on it's my weird. list. Like I literally added who, it to my yeah. list and it doesn't, it doesn't show up. Someone told me, they were like, I don't understand it. I literally binge watched all of the Michael Flanagan shows the day that they dropped, like there's nothing in their algorithm to be like, oh, he'll probably want to know that this is out. <laughs> They're like, fucking clueless over there. <laughs> they really I swear are. To God, dude. Netflix <laughs> is falling the fuck apart. I love them, but seriously, go watch Shutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was. And while Not you're there, check out Eaten Alive from 1977, as picked by me. Uh, we'll be back next week with a Kyle pick. Uh, that I've never even heard of. So I'm very excited to see how that goes. (laughs) And (laughs) uh, stay tuned. We'll be back next week. Bye. We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm-hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.